Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Elijah Morton joining me today. Elijah, thanks for being a guest on the show. I do appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Elijah is a musician, producer, producer, and visionary. After discovering his supernatural gift for playing piano, he worked to leave his hardened Detroit life behind. Raised by his father to be tough or risk losing your life, Elijah sought out a new life fueled by his hunger for spiritual connection. So I can't wait to see how, how he made that transition for sure. So Elijah, could you share with us where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, I grew up in Detroit, and this was a time where looking the way that I look was enough to get you bullied, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so there were a lot of fights. There was a lot of bullying from family and friends, more so from quote unquote family as opposed to fr- or, or quote unquote friends as opposed to family. Uh, family just said things here and there. Uh, you know, kids can be tough on, on each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can, yeah. And uh, that caused me to be a bit withdrawn from uh, people after a certain point. You know, I'm, a, I'm an Aquarius. So and those who are tapped into that Aquarius energy, we spend a lot of time thinking about everything, overanalyzing everything. You know, we need to know how the smallest detail of pretty much everything operates and why it operates that way. Um, so I took on the role of the observer for a while and... You know, I still have that to this day to a certain extent. And people used to meet me for the first time and they think I didn't like them, <laughs> you know, because I was so <laughs> quiet. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. It <laughs> just observing everything. But uh, yeah, it was just me uh, taking, uh, getting the feel for them. Uh, but if you ask me, my life really started when I was seven. And that's when I saved myself and my older brother from an experience that could have been fatal. Uh, he and I almost drowned, and um, that is where the spiritual journey pretty much opened up for me. All right. So, where did you where did you take that then? What was the the next step for you? So, you, you did a lot of observing and seeing how how things had to work because that was how you seemed to make sense of everything. So, what happened next? So, after um, the the near drowning. I kind of just started knowing things, which was weird. Mm. Or to me, it wasn't weird. To, to other people, it seemed a bit weird. Like, for example, I knew when my father was murdered, the exact moment as it was happening. And I knew when my mother was in a car accident. She's alive and well to this day. But um, it was pretty bad. And I just knew in those moments when those things were happening, and it was this feeling of kind of like a memory, how you remember something, mm, yeah. but that memory didn't happen yet. And it was so real to the point to where it would cause me to just shut down and, and sit down and be quiet because I was seven or I was 10 when this started happening. So to me, it was all new, you know, and I didn't know what to make of it. But later on, things would be revealed that what I was seeing and what I was thinking was actually happening or it did happen so how, how did you feel when you sort of started to connect the dots with that so you went from having these experiences to then realizing that they did happen or they're about to happen so what what was going through your mind then well some of it was a bit scary um because there were thoughts just fleeting thoughts mm. 
that will run through my mind. And I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen. But the fleeting thoughts never happen. Thank God. But when I realized what was going on, I felt actually like I had a superpower. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, this is kind of cool. Um, yeah, so there were fleeting thoughts there, and some of them um, were, were a bit scary. Having it was scary because you really couldn't tell which one was which before you develop it, before you learn how to really harness it. You can't tell which one is which. So it is a bit stressful at first. All right. So it's almost like it was almost like a curse until you were able to use it properly and then it became a, a tool that you could use then. Exactly. Perfectly said. So how did you get into music then? What was the, the sort of build up to that? The sort of, you know, key, key moments and, and things like that? You know, that's actually a really good question. I, uh, years later, years and years later, after nearly dying uh, from drowning, I got a reading from a woman who has since become my spiritual advisor. Her name is Rebecca Manns. And right out the gate, she told me that you went through something when you were seven years old and that opened up your ability to do music. And she was talking about the near death experience. Mm. And after the near death experience, I was seven years old when that happened. So around, I would say when I was nine going on 10, I just had this insatiable hunger to get a piano and I would beg my mother like can you please buy me this cheap little $80 <laughs> keyboard yeah. you know from um I forget what store it was at but I would beg her and finally the Christmas of the year when I was nine years old she finally got it and literally every single second I was not in school I was there at that keyboard learning it and um it came to a point to where she would give me classical music on the CD and I would just learn that classical music. I would just sit there, listen to it and just figure it out. And within probably about 30 minutes, maybe even less than that, I would have like half of Beethoven's Furry Lee's memorized just from listening to it. And she said all of this was opened up from that near death experience as well as the ability to interpret energy. Was there a moment when you were maybe skeptical of what the reading was saying? Or maybe you could have already had the talent for music or maybe the way that you had to really understand something and really know how it works to get it could be what led you to, to really feel like you could understand music because you know, there wasn't much else to, to understand aside from the music, right? So it's very easy to, to get your head around it. So what... I mean, was it something that you you actually questioned or was it something that you always just kind of went along with? There, Yeah, there were things that I did question. Um, that was my first reading from anybody. And then again, <clears throat> just randomly, I had the drive and the urge to get a reading. And I was searching to find, because I didn't know any psychics or mediums. I, you know, that was all new to me. And I was searching to figure out who is the best person I can get the best reading from? Mm, yeah. And she kept coming up. So I'm like, okay, she keeps coming up. I'm going to go ahead and talk to her. But there were things that she was saying, the way she worded it came off a bit vague. 
Uh, but right. the things she was saying, the, the overall message, it was like, there's no way she could have known, for example, at seven, I nearly drowned. And at seven, I started experiencing, you know, these intuitive gifts. And then at, you know, eight or nine is when the hunger for the music really showed up. There was no way that she could have known any of that. And she spoke it like just rapid fire. Yeah, this happened, that happened, that happened. And um, there was also just this feeling. I would think like, yeah, okay, maybe she kind of guessed it. But then it was like, no, there's no way she could have guessed that. So there was always this strong feeling that kind of trumped that doubt. You know, as time went on, I realized that she really did know what she was talking about. Um, some of it was hard to take in. I don't remember the exact details of it, but some of the details were a bit, um, a bit sketchy. Mm, and I didn't yeah. understand them at that time, but as time went on, I did uh, pick up on what she was saying. Is there anything that, that you would suggest is something that would distinguish between like <clears throat> a reading that wasn't so vague and one that was because I'm obviously a, a skeptic reasonably similar to you but there seems to be a point when you have a reading and you go there's just no way they could know that and then there are readings where you go well it's, it's all a bit like vague and maybe that could be related to anybody as opposed to just me so at what, at what point did you sort of say this is just for me, this. There's no way this could be so vague or, or generalized that it could work for anybody. So was there a moment when, when that happened? Or, you know, maybe there was something that you could remember or a phrase or one particular detail that sort of swung the, the balance in their favor? It was more so the moment she picked up the, um, the near-death experience. Because I didn't mention any of that to her. She just said, at seven years old, you went through something that shook you. And I, I don't remember her exact words, but she said the event itself kind of like metaphorically grabbed you and shook you to the, to, so you can realize exactly who you are. And that's exactly what it did. Um, I think that me doubting it later on was kind of like the ego coming into play because I do think that reading was something that I needed to hear at that moment. But you know how you hear something and you know it's the truth. It could be completely something not spiritual, just something that someone tells you, uh, such as advice, just some piece of advice that you hear. And you're like, yeah, that's true. And then as time goes on, you say, maybe it's not as true as it may be because of this. Maybe that person is just trying to win me over or, you know, fill in the blank. I think that's what it more so was. So it was almost like the the way it was told was something that like resonated with you then. Were there any words that you, because I'm assuming you, you get this quite a bit now in terms of the, the spiritual side, having gone on a bit of a, a journey yourself. Are there any certain ways that things could be communicated that you sort of look for now so that you know that you're going to the right person or the right people so that you're not like getting stuff that maybe isn't as sound as you would like? I mean, are there any certain things that you look out for? With readings, they see, when people think about getting a reading, they think that the person is just going to spit out all the details about a specific area, which some can do that. I've had readings where some had done that, but it's more so a general reading of the energy around a specific topic. The words themselves may not be as descriptive but what's being told 
there's like when if you were to get a reading and you were to hear something about uh, a childhood past trauma and the way they're saying it to you it's like there's no way this could be just made up there's no way this person could just be guessing you know the the energy behind their words it, it more so resonates with you more so than the words that are being spoken themselves if that makes sense so just sort of like the the meaning behind the words or maybe the intention behind it is that the sort of thing that you're saying right exactly the intention behind them so is, is there is anything that would give away like the, the having a good intention so i'm assuming it's quite easy to spot a not so great intention but what about the the good intentions or the the good energy around the words that they're using is there any certain certain telltales or certain things that you yourself feel when they're talking to you in that way you know from my experience it's the energy of the person themselves you know the energy of the person that's giving you the reading you will be able to feel the, the person will feel lighter right that's the the best word I can use for it instead of just this heavy energy. And an example of that would be somebody, when you walk into a room and you could tell somebody's just completely depressed, mm. the heaviness of their energy versus someone who's happy, you know, maybe a grandmother, someone who every time you're around this person, they're just happy, you know, nothing but positivity. They feel lighter to be around. If you were to get a reading from someone and their energy feels light and it feels as if they don't have any intentions behind it, they're not trying to get your money, they're not trying to connive you, they're not trying to brainwash you, they genuinely want to give you the information from the question that you're asking them, that's the sign right there that you know that you have someone genuine. So this, this caused you to go down your own path, like moving away from purely just readings? Or is this something that you, you sort of stick with the reading side of things? Well, with the readings, I ventured away from those. And the reason behind that was I would get customers that would call repeatedly, literally every month for like two, three years about the same situation. And there gets to a point to where if, if you were to get a reading from somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, and they tell you anything different from, I'm, from what I'm about to tell you, I personally think they're lying to you. It gets to a point to where you can give someone only so many readings and so much advice on one specific topic to where there's nothing you can do for that person. And at that point, you're just taking their money. So I would get clients that we use a reading more so as quote unquote medication as opposed to actually getting specific help that they need and to me that just didn't feel good when I realized what was happening that didn't feel good there were times I declined clients when I realized what was going on I refunded them I just couldn't work with that particular intention so for the reading aspect, I kind of just left that to the side. I still do it for friends, though. If something comes to me, I just tell them. I don't charge them. I just let them know. Right. So what did you do after this then? So for your own sort of personal journey down the spiritual road, what were the next steps for you? The next step for me was figuring out spirituality or die trying. <laughs> <laughs> that was my... That's one way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> that was my next step. Uh, I w and what really started that part, that chapter was, 
in 2011-ish, a friend of mine introduced me to the documentary, The Secret. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of that. Mm -hmm. And very life-changing when I first watched it. And it was life-changing to me because I knew that I was not crazy. Prior to that, I didn't hear anything about the law of attraction. I didn't hear anyone else say that your thoughts attract your external reality. So to hear all of these people on this documentary say that, you know, it really confirmed to me that I wasn't crazy. So I uh, took that to heart, but I realized that what they were saying in that documentary was very superficial. It was just the surface of a much deeper topic. So over about the next six years, I just dedicated myself to figuring it out. And it has been an extremely rocky and extremely painful path for me, just for me personally. This isn't, this doesn't have to be the case for everyone. But for me trying to figure out, given my childhood and, and a lot of trauma from that, there were a lot of things that had to work out or that I had to work out for myself. So it was a very rocky and painful path, you know, but I stuck to it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So did, did it ever get easier? Was there any a moment when it was like, okay, I'm actually able to, to get a handle on this now? Or is it always something that you, you tend to struggle with and something that I guess it's better when it is hard because you know that it's working maybe i mean I, i'm not that far into it but what's the experience like for you now and does it does it change or differ from when you started i think you you said two things that were true in the beginning when you when you know it's hard for you that's how you know it's working in the beginning however there does come a point to where things do get really easy for you and I don't have any problems right now at this particular moment, or I can't say any, everybody has some kind of small problem, but for the most part, I'm not affected by anything in a negative way. You know, I've gotten to that point to where even if something does come my way, I know how to maneuver around it. So it can get to a point to where even if something really tough comes at you, you have this thick skin and you know what to do. You understand what to do, not just have this knowledge, uh, you know, just think positive, positive things are going to happen. No, you understand things are going to happen and why they're going to happen. Are there certain moments when that happens or do you go through a certain process to, to help you do that? I mean, what sort of, what sort of practice do you have that allows you to do those sorts of things? Well, for me, initially, what jump-started it was, one, keeping myself grounded during, through meditation. Keeping myself grounded when I understood the concept of that. I understood that all of the energy that was otherwise on my shoulders, I can release that. So that's what jump-started it. And now is to a point to where, honestly, I may get challenges daily, but some of them seem so small to me that I don't even recognize them or I come up with a solution so quick or just a totally different mindset so quick to where I don't really 
realize what's happening. And this isn't me bragging or anything like that. It's just, you know, I've got to that point to where, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm so grounded to where the small stuff doesn't, doesn't matter. Mm, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. Was there a process of like maybe a, even just adapting to it or was it perhaps the, the, the background that you've got sort of allowed you to sort of say, well, this isn't too bad compared to X, Y, and Z, you know? So is it, is it just a comparison thing where you look back and go, well, it's not as bad as that, so I'm doing all right? Or is it more of a, a continuous sort of questioning of, of the actual thing that's going on and then you ultimately come into the conclusion that, oh, it's not so bad? You know, the background that I had really fucked me up. You know, it was it like in contrast, it really, really messed me up to a point to where I thought I was okay, but I was not okay at all. So I couldn't at any point really look back and honestly say, well, what I'm going through now isn't anything worse than what I went through because my interpretation of what I went through was just so horrific, you know? And again, I didn't understand that I was looking at it, you know, in such a negative light, you know? So I was unable to look at it in contrast and say this was, or this isn't as bad as, you know, my past. I told myself that plenty of times, but it was very vain. It wasn't, it wasn't anything of substance. It was just me regurgitating you know, um, stuff that I heard amongst the personal development community, you know? Mm-hmm. So was it, was it the, the music that the sort of helped with this as well? I'm trying to sort of figure out how, how music came into it and perhaps still comes into it to this day. I mean, does music play a part? Music absolutely plays a part. Music, it, for me, is therapeutic. That's the ultimate therapy. That is what really helps me get through it, what really helps me break through it. I think that everyone needs something that will help them emotionally pull themselves out of whatever slump they're going through. And for me, just playing the piano um, was enough to take me away from the mindset that I was in, even if it was for just one hour, the sound of the piano and the different sounds from the keyboard and putting those sounds together and blending them, you know, and composing and using different types of uh, scales and modes and, you know, just creating music. Because to me, the best form of music, although like I, I do pop music as well, but the best form of music is a music that has no audible human aspect to it, meaning no vocals, no harmonies, because you can completely tap into the energy of the earth or the energy of the world, depending on what energy that song or that composition is giving, such as classical. That's a highly, uh, that's a high vibrational form of music. There are people who listen to classical, like women, when they're pregnant. There are a lot of mothers or a lot of women who play classical music and it helps the development of the baby. You can listen to classical music and you can study and you can um, do a lot better on your tests. Uh, so yeah, for me, music absolutely played a part. It helped me 
even just playing it more so more so playing it than listening to it me having the ability to play it and here like my mother will walk in and she would hear me playing and just see the smile on her face and everyone will be pleased by the sounds that come from the piano when I play it you know and just having that ability is what helped me you know pull myself out of the past would you say that music maybe gives you more of a benefit than you know some of the other practices out there because i do know of people that do say gardening because it's therapeutic for them some people meditate some people walk some people exercise and you get more benefit than just the activity itself i mean how does music fit into that for you as far as getting a benefit yeah i mean the benefit just beyond you know playing Oh, I mean, the, I mean, just, just listening to it, just, I really can't explain it. It's, it, music is something that I've been so attached to for so long. To me, it's just so natural, you know, when things are just so natural, you don't know how to explain it, but it's the biggest benefit from it for me has been, I can't even I can't even put it into words. It's just being able to make the sound come from, you know, the keyboard or composing. You know, it's it's the sound itself that benefits me. If I understand your question correctly. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the benefit would come like would kind of vary from person to person as well. Like there are people that that I know that, that exercise and it's their form of meditation. You know, like they go for a run and it allows them to think. It allows them to learn about their bodies a bit better as well because they learn the little niggles and certain things that start to to cause a change in how they think. You know, like if their if their knee starts to to feel a bit shaky or whatever, then they pick up on that and they're able to adjust and think their way through the, the struggle, so to speak. So people do do certain things for more than just the benefit of the activity itself. Like the benefit's more for them than it could be for somebody else. And you mentioned there that a lot of it's, it's indescribable because of the, the vibration of the music and it sort of feels different when you play compared to like when you maybe listen to somebody else play. So maybe the physical act of creating music might be very different to just listening to music. I mean, is, is that something that you've experienced yourself? Oh yeah. Yeah. The act of playing it. Yes. Is a lot different from um, listening to it or for me, at least for, for me in my personal journey, because I've actually sat at the piano uh, and I typically play at night with all the lights out, which to some people kind of freaked them out. <laughs> they thought I was, you know, some kind of weirdo or whatever. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually playing it, the physical act of playing the piano specifically, because I can play the guitar as well, but huh? more so the piano, it's, uh, it would be, and, and I really hate to put it this way, it'd be my greatest connection to what people will call God. You know, there's that peace. There's that understanding that everything is going to be okay as long as you do this, you know, and you can take this healing energy with you throughout the day. Is it just the, the feeling that you get from it as well? Like it's, 
did you feel it go through you and that sort of thing? I mean, I have had conversations with with people in the past, and like they go to like certain events, and it, it just makes just the way it kind of travels through them and just makes them feel completely different as a result. Yeah, there is a difference. There, yeah, there, there's a difference. There are times when I play a song that I made. And I'm sitting there listening to it. I'm like, yeah, this sounds good. Get goosebumps and all of that. But then there are times when I play the piano and I move to tears because of the feeling that comes from it, you know, because of the connection. And Michael Jackson said it best, and I'm paraphrasing. He said he doesn't create the music. It comes from somewhere else and he just interprets it. You know, so that's really the feeling it, there are two different feelings to it. You know, um, there's one that's a little bit lesser, which is still exciting. And then there's one that's just undescribable. You have to experience it to know it. It almost reminds me of, of writing as well. Like sometimes you can write something and then be quite difficult to write. And then there's a, there's a moment when you might sit down and the words just seem to come out of nowhere. And before you know it, you've written something that you're not quite sure how it ended up on the page but it ended up on the page and you're just kind of the actions almost happening by itself. And the words just seem to appear in the right order in the right way. And it's, I get the impression that the, the music's the same sort of feeling for you. Yes. You hit that on the head perfectly. Cause I've also experienced that same thing or close to the same thing with writing the right words at the right time. So yes, you, you, you sum that up perfectly. Cool. Yeah, no, it's just uh, it's interesting to see how, how things can relate and how things can, can transfer across because um, <clears throat> there are people out there that could be listening to this that might not have anything to do with music, but they probably understand that they might write something and it just sort of flows out of their fingers without, without realizing and they could have wrote like twice as much than what they would normally have written because it's sort of flowed as opposed to forced. And I think that's, that's definitely something that, you know, that, that I get from everything that you've said. Is that something that you get often? And is that something that you would relate to the, the spiritual experiences that you've had before? Oh, yes. That, I believe every form of art talks to another. You know, I, I don't know how to paint, but I can look at a painting and I can understand exactly what the artist went through in that particular moment and what that artist was trying to say and convey. Um, and I do think that art is the, to me, the biggest form of spiritual, what's the word I'm looking for? Spiritual expression, the way to express something that was inspired to you spiritually. Um, and every song, every film, every piece of art, every sculpture, it originated in the mind first. And I do believe again that, you know, nudges of inspiration don't just come out of nowhere. You know, you have this, this conscious universe with all of these infinite possibilities and every act of inspiration that you get comes from somewhere. So I, I definitely tie the two in together, you know, spirituality and music and art and, you know, dance even, all of them worked together. I think that's uh, that's nicely put there, Elijah. I mean, the way it the way it all sort of flows together. I think the one experience of things flowing, I guess, is something that sort of ties everything together. So yeah, that's that's nicely put there. So, <clears throat> where would you see 
yourself going? So you've been you've been following a certain path over you know the the, the entire life really your, your entire life at the moment and things seem to have travelled down this spiritual slash musical path. Where do you see it going? I see. That's actually a good question. I see since I am at this point in my life to where things are clear to me, I think I needed to learn that before the music kicks off. Right now I'm working with a friend who I call my brother um, on some of his music, which is coming out really, really well. Um, And in the future, I actually see pursuing music with the spiritual message. You know, that spiritual message would never leave me. I'm always going to teach spirituality in some form, you know, be it me directly teaching it or teaching it through lyrics, through, through um, movies, you know, music, whatever the case may be, I'm always going to be teaching it. Do you have a particular, you know, a way that you would like to do it? Is there any way that you would see it looking? Um, when it's all said and done through music, through music, I, I would like to let my spiritual gifts be known to the world. You know, because I do believe that when people have a gift, you know, especially a gift of music or some kind of creativity to just sit back on it. You know, this isn't for me. This is for just the world in general to just sit back and not use it and let your fear prevent you from using it. You know, all these excuses prevent you from using it. I think you're doing yourself a huge disservice and you're doing the world a huge disservice, whatever it is that you're passionate about and especially what you're good at what you're just naturally good at, I believe is your obligation to share that with the world, you know, and not sharing it will be a huge disservice to yourself and to the world. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, if <clears throat> it's particularly if you know what that is as well, like if you know what you're good at, you know what you're best at. <clears throat> and if you enjoy it, then it seems like, it does seem like a massive disservice to not at least try it, at least try to to do it, even if you don't do it to to make money from it, even if you just do it because it's your passion, because it's something you want to do, and then you sort of, you know, get to a point where you're financially stable by doing something else. I still think that you should at least pursue it to to some degree. Absolutely. I agree. I, I, I tell that to people every day. You, you have no idea. There are people out there, there I, I've heard singers who are better than Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey combined. And to some people, they may hear that and say, what? <laughs> you know, but I have heard it before. But to them, they're so fearful of even trying. They're so fearful of that rejection that they stay in their comfort zone, even though, even though they want to share it with the world. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in the, in, in the way they hold their shoulders that they want to share it with the world, but they're just so paralyzed by fear. You know, that illusion of fear that they just stay, you know, where they're mm-hmm. at. And it's sad, you know, to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not helpful either the way that, some cultures are also created to stop people from doing that or to, to discourage it. So that's not something that, that I'm massively happy with. 
like a lot of people are discouraged from doing it because they need a job that's that pays the bills or you know something that's more respectable. But you know, there were loads of things, loads of people out there that are able to to be able to survive doing something that isn't seen as respectable to other people, but they're perfectly happy doing. So yeah, I mean, I think we're in we're in a world now, 2018, where it's easier than ever to survive financially or to allow yourself to live decently doing something that some other people might not appreciate as much as you. Absolutely. There's always a way, especially with the internet, man. There's always some kind of way. Somebody somewhere is going to love you. Yeah, definitely. There's seven or eight billion people in the world now. And, you know, you don't need that many of them to, to like you enough to support you in that way. So, you know, that's, that's the way I see it as well. Is, is there anything that you, you feel that we haven't covered yet? So we're getting near to the end, and I want you to feel like we've had no stone unturned with regards to this. So what would you like to share that we haven't got to share yet? Uh, what I would like to share is knowing what the ego is. And I want to share that because that helps me. Go for you it. Know. And, you know, when we hear the word ego, we typically think about words like arrogant, stuck up, self-centered, cocky. But for me, I've come to understand the ego to be something that's actually found in the Bible. And this isn't me trying to convert anybody. This is just an allegorical story behind something that's in the Bible. You know, allegorically speaking, you have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And God tells them, do not eat from this particular tree right here for whatever reason. And then as time goes on, the snake slithers in. And the snake tells him, you know what, you know, you can eat from that tree. It's not as bad as God says it is. You can go ahead and eat from it. Eve eats from it first, then Adam, and then there's a destruction. The story that I took from this was, for example, when you have a child and the mother tells the kid, do not eat those cookies because those cookies in the kitchen, they're for the guests that are about to be here in about five minutes. And that little kid says, you know what? I'm going to listen to my mother. I'm not going to eat any cookies. But maybe if I get just one, she won't realize it. You know, it's that small voice on the inside that tells you to do things that you know you shouldn't do. That small voice on the inside that tells you to doubt yourself when you know damn well there's no reason why you should doubt yourself because you are as good as you think you are, if not better. You know, it's that voice that tells you no man or no woman is going to love you because every man or woman that you've been through has cheated on you or put their hands on you, whatever the case may be. It's that negative, dark voice inside that wants to keep you shackled and wants to keep you earthbound instead of letting you ascend. That's what I realized the ego is. So where, where do you see... Where do you see us trying to dissolve the ego actually happen then? Is it something that, that we can do? Is it an unrealistic, is it an, un, is it an, an unrealistic notion to think that we can get rid of it completely? Is it always going to show up? Is it just a, a continuum whereby it's just greater or lesser degrees depending on the situation that we're in? So how do you see it looking in terms of trying to move away from the idea of having an ego that does stop us? 
you know, to an extent, you actually need the ego, to an extent. And an example of, of you needing the ego would be someone trying to physically harm you right here in this moment. You would need it to physically protect yourself. Now, that negative aspect is what you don't need. The overactive ego is what you don't need. And absolutely as possible to make that ego stand down. Um, and I will say this, initially, it is such a huge illusion to where you would think that it's impossible to make it stand down. And I'm telling you, it's really subtle. It's very subtle. You know, I've talked to people about it and they started to verbally attack me, you know, because they thought what I was telling them was a lie, you know, and, and I'm speaking from personal experience, you know, I've done it. I've seen plenty of other people do it as well. So it is very possible to make it stand down. It's just, you have to understand the first step is to understand that it is in fact, just an illusion because think about it. Uh, most of the negative thoughts that you have don't happen. Like they don't come true. And most of the negative thoughts that people have, have is just irrational. You know, when you think about it. So that in and of itself would tell you that it's just an illusion. Whatever it is that's causing that person to think that whatever situation is impossible or doubt themselves, it usually doesn't manifest. You know, so to me, when I understood that, I really understood, like, yeah, it is possible to make it, you know, stand down. It's very possible. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's something that I've experienced as well, whereby <clears throat> I've had to actually question myself a little bit before I realized that a lot of the things, the, the, the voice, if you will, or the ego is telling me just isn't the case. A lot of it's just there to, to keep you in check or keep you safe or whatever it happens to be. You know, it's there to create something that, that keeps you as you are. It doesn't like change as such because it's, uh, it's an uncertain world when you start changing too quickly, you know. And yeah, it's it's something that I will completely agree with. It's something that we need to at least reduce the, the influence of before we can actually take the steps that we, we know we should take. It tends to be something that's in our way for, for the right reasons, but sometimes it's very, very situational. Like so, sometimes there are things that it's like, as you say, it's, it's hyperactive. It's there to stop you doing something that it doesn't need to stop you from doing. And uh, I think they're the situations that we'd need to, to consider, you know, maybe making the changes or doing the things that you said in order to stop it from impacting us in that way. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are reasonably close to the end. So we've got the last couple of questions for you, Elijah. And I thought before we get to those is if there's anyone that wants to find out a bit more about you. So it could be to do with the work that you're up to or the, the spiritual side, the path that you're on. Is there anything that you want to share with us? These can be websites, these can be links, these can be social media as well. So here's your chance. Absolutely. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. What I'm doing right now is I have a beta group that's open. And this beta group is how to, on a spiritual aspect, dissolve the ego. Um, and it's completely free, this beta group. I'm looking for 100 people to get into this beta group. Again, totally free. I just want to, I want to lead with integrity. I want to make sure I can give people results 
first before putting a price tag on it, which is why I'm looking for a hundred people, you know, testimonials and all of that. And that is at thefreedomessence.com slash prelaunch, thefreedomessence.com slash prelaunch. So that's what I'm up to as of right now, as of the recording of this interview. All right, so it's the thefreedomessence.com forward slash prelaunch, yeah? Correct. Okay, cool. And what, so depending on when this goes out, the pre-launch might already be up. So if someone wanted to, to still get access to it, then if they went on that site, would it be redirected? Or if people wanted to, to get involved, how could they, they reach out and, and take advantage of it? It'll be the freedomessence.com instead of the forward slash prelaunch, just the freedomessence.com. Okay, cool. So, yeah, if the, the prelaunch doesn't work when you, when you hear this and you want to take advantage of it, then just take away the, the forward slash, go on the website and take, take advantage of dissolving the ego because I think that it's something that if we can finally not hold ourselves back, then I, I think at least we can achieve so much more. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. And it's very important. So before we end, we've got two, two last questions for you. The first one is, do you have any resources that you would recommend for people? Maybe books that you've read that have, if someone wanted to, to get started on the journey that you've been on? <clears throat> Where could, what, what could people go to or, or turn to for that sort of knowledge or assistance? You know what? I actually have my books right here. I have a, quite a bit of them. The one that really helps a lot of people is called Psycho-Cybernetics Psycho, 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 Psycho by Maxwell ah, Maltz. I've heard of it, yeah. Very good book. Very good book. And it's practice. it was written a long time ago, so the verbiage may be a little weird. Mm. But the information in there is very practical, and it's helped me considerably. All right, cool. Any others? Because you said you had a few, or is it just the one that you'd recommend more highly? Uh, that is the one that I recommend more highly. Let me see what else I have here. Oh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I, actually, you know what? That's also a good book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Mm -hmm. But Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Ooh, that, that sounds interesting. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> That's my secret weapon. That's your secret weapon. I like to hear the sound of that for, from a book, at least. The book is your secret weapon. I like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. One last question then. And I ask everyone this. So we've had silly answers to crazy answers to answers that have nothing to do with what we've spoken about for the last 45 minutes to an hour. And the question is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I'm pretty open. So I think about people a lot. A lot of my time is spent... Um, thinking about what life will be like if everyone were to just respect each other instead of trying to get people to agree with their way of life, you know, and for me personally, I think that's one part of healing the world, you know, respecting people instead of forcing them to see things through your eyes. Very nice to put Elijah. Well, thanks for being a guest on the show. I appreciate you coming on. 
and for those that are listening make sure you share this one out tell your friends about this one and also give us a subscribe if you're brand new to the podcast so you don't miss out any future guests elijah thank you for taking the time to be a guest and i'm sure we'll keep in touch and thanks for having me on <laughs>